What is up, guys, and welcome to the Meeple Minded Podcast, the podcast where we talk all things tabletop gaming. My name is Jason. And I'm James. And James. Yep. I've got a problem. You've got a problem? I do. I have a real problem. That's what doctors are for, mate. Uh, I don't think it's something that they can deal with. No. Uh, unfortunately, I have I have a uh, hobby related problem. Oh, oh dear, a hobby related problem. Yeah, yeah. I, I've I think I might have too many games. Nonsense. But I have been asking myself a lot recently: Is it, do do I do I indeed have too many games? You know, with a collection that's sort of over a hundred and fifty at this point, I'm starting to question whether enough is enough. And yeah. Guess what we're talking about today? Point that we decide that when we've got too many games? I don't know how you possibly guess that. Oh, you can't have too many games. There's a gap there. There's a gap there. There's a gap there. <laughs> well, I mean, that might be because those particular games are in my game bag that we were, that I took to game night last night. Uh, and I haven't actually put back on the shelf yet. So that, that, that might be what it is. But... We had a well. We did. We haven't actually had this discussion. I put a post out on our local community page and actually asked the question about when people feel that uh, enough is enough and what helps them make their decision as to whether they need to sell games or just stop. So we're actually going to be going through some of those answers today, which is something new for us. So I apologise if it goes drastically wrong. Yay, new stuff. <laughs> Obviously, a bit later on in the episode, Paul will be here with his news and Kickstarters and all of that jazz, along with our closing statements after the news. But yeah, it's a topical discussion, James. We haven't had done one of these for a little while. Yeah. Have you got your hot beverage of choice ready? I have. You have. I have my mug of tea. And as we were deciding before we went live, from now on, being British, we feel that we need to have a plate of biscuits. Yes. Um, which I don't unfortunately have today, so I do apologise, James. I will make up for it with double the biscuits next time. It's okay. I'm being very un-British today, and uh, I've got my coffee. Oh, dear. Well, I did make it for you, so, yeah. It's, it's a good coffee. It is a good coffee, but it's not tea. True. Very, very true. Obviously, you just need to wake him up. You've been at work all day. It's understandable. So, yeah, I mean, plenty of people have said to me in the past, is like, you you know, you've got too many games, too many games. I have a good excuse. You know, I have game clubs that I, I run. I have a mobile games library for people to use. But for most people, they don't have that luxurious excuse that I do. So for you, James, I know that you have only purchased one single one, one game. single game. <laughs> is that enough, Jason? Should I throw the towel in now? <laughs> The question is though, James, you've now you've you have purchased yourself a game. Do you find that you now have a bit of an itch to want to buy more? And if so, are you going to have to ask yourself when is enough enough? Is uh, what would be your reasoning for not wanting to buy any more? I ultimately, I think that's a very personal, individual question uh, because everyone's a. For me, it would be: is it taking over your living space for a yes. start? It's like, if you can't move in your house for board games, you might have too many. Because mm. it also links into the question, I suppose, of like I, I, I've heard people discussing of when do you sell board games? Yes, yeah. Uh, and the answer to that is, well, if it's still bringing you enjoyment and it still sees the table, why? Yeah. Unless you're desperate for money, then... yeah. Yeah, sell it if you've um if it's not seeing the table or you just don't enjoy it anymore. But if it still sees the table and you're enjoying it, why sell it? Yeah, I mean, I I completely agree. I've to this point, I've not actually sold 
any of my board games. And, you know, I've had this discussion with my partner quite a few times that I keep saying I do need to sell some because there are some that just don't get played. They've not been played in two years. And there are some here that I just downright don't like. And yet they're still in my collection. I'm finding it very hard to actually part with those games. So when the time comes that I physically have no more storage and yeah, we're not far away from that now, I am going to have to actually figure out this whole culling the game collection thing and figure out exactly how to sell games. So I'm not particularly looking forward to it, I must be honest. But, I, you know, I was asked the question by my partners, when is enough enough? And I, I don't know where my personal boundary is on it. Like, I have no problem just continuing to add to this collection. But I also appreciate the fact that we have a substantial amount of games in this house and they are beginning to overspill my allotted storage area. So maybe that's where my, is my boundary I, is. I, I can picture now how that conversation went that Layla turned around to you and said, when is it enough enough? And you went, yes. It's almost as if you know me too well. Yes, yes. <laughs> are there board games that I don't own? Yeah, well... <laughs> I mean, that, that's the thing. Is like, it's not physically possible for anyone to to own every game in the world. But by Joe, I'm going to give it a try. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> it's only fair. You know, every game designer and, and game deserves a fair play. Yes, indeed. So you know, I'm gonna, I want to continue doing it. How many board games do you need? All of them. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. As I said, I asked the question of the local community as to their opinions on, on this matter. And, and part of that local gaming community includes my partner Layla so I think it's fair to to actually read out her statement on the matter first and foremost now I had to ask her to forget the fact that I have 150 games I asked her to view this in her own mind if if she if it was her collection when would her parameters step in and she would stop buying so I'm glad this is actually going to be on recording because I'm going to keep this because I'm going to use it. My partner's uh, answer to this question was, my personal opinion on this question would be when I physically run out of designated space for games in my home. I'd rather not have games piled up in all rooms of the house. I'd have to take a look at what I don't play anymore and what gives me joy or hasn't seen the table for around four to six months. And if, if necessary, consider selling it in order to purchase the new game that I actually want to play and will likely see the table more. So I feel that is actually a really good stepping off point yeah, there because it's... it's pretty much exactly what we've we've already said. Yeah. But uh, yeah, is there anything else you, you take from that other than, you know, maybe there was a couple of personal jabs <laughs> at me, especially because there are indeed games in other rooms of this Yes, house. piled up in corners and... Uh, On the sofa. It's almost like she's trying to communicate something to you, Jason. <laughs> it could well be. It could well be. <laughs> I mean, damn it, woman, just stop tiptoeing around the issues and just come out with it already. <laughs> What James is saying is he want, he would like very much for you to kill me so that he can inherit my games collection and therefore never have to purchase any more games. <laughs> you think you've got storage problems, mate? I wouldn't be able to store this. <laughs> you struggle with Nemesis, don't you? <laughs> it's a big box. <laughs> what you want to do, James, you want to get yourself a game club, right? <laughs> and then have storage at said club. Oh, well, it's funny because if something were to... Happened to you in inverted commas. Surely I'd inherit that as well. Oh, this is very true. Very true indeed. <laughs> what happened to Jason? Oh, it was an unfortunate accident. There was a raccoon involved somewhere. <laughs> 
So should we read out? Uh, I'll read out a few. So we'll start with John. When the wife says, I can't have any more as I have enough, it's time to make space for more. So by my reading of that, he's essentially saying the same thing. He's got an allotted space. When he's told that enough is enough, he would then cull some of the collection in order to continue adding to it rather than stopping buying. I really hope John's misses it isn't one of our listeners because it actually sounds to me like no i'm not going to buy anything until the message turns around and says i've got too many in which case i'll buy more <laughs> indeed indeed and the good thing with john um is john has a- indeed stopped buying stuff recently and very much like myself has got into 3d printing and now is buying lots and lots of 3d printing stuff instead ah, and so printing minis therefore he is not buying miniatures yes so instead of boxes taking over his house it'll be little plastic men and printers <laughs> yes <laughs> what happens when the little plastic men start manning the printers well yeah <laughs> this is how the revolution starts yes. isn't it yeah it's a small world after all but i mean that actually does bring us on to another thing so we're talking about my collection of board games we haven't even touched on the amount of miniatures that i own in miniature storage and also miniature games in general yep you know it, uh, do you view that as a separate storing solution or is that going to be lumped into one thing if it was you i would say they're lumped well i'm very much like you so it's like box inserts so that you can get more inside the boxes but they are still inside their original boxes so mm. the game is actually taking up the same amount of space but it is something to consider that miniature based games tend to take up more space that they do that they do indeed and of course wargaming as well um, I mean, wargaming gets out of control very quickly it does indeed especially with warhammer um obviously my storage of that is i mean that's quite well hidden to be fair i'm pretty sure you can only just about see the massive case that's hidden behind the sofa yeah. right down the other end of the room unobtrusively poking out yeah <laughs> i mean ignore the fact that it is blocking the patio doors uh <laughs> So you can't get actually get out into the garden through that way at the moment. It's winter. Why would you want to go out there? Exactly. These miniatures need a home. <laughs> Pity us. So let's move on to the next uh, quote that I have here. And this is actually from one of our regular Warhammer players. This is from Luke. Uh, he says, when you've sold the wife and kids to make space for the hobby and it still isn't enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, you, if you've sold your spouse and your children... To make space for gaming, you, you've got a problem. It's, it's some pretty good dedication there, Luke. And I, I pray for your your, your well-being in case your, your partner ever listens to this. Yep. Hopefully by not saying your surname, that, 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 that will protect you just a little bit. But uh, that's some dedication there, good sir. Dedication indeed. <laughs> Would you uh, sell a spouse and a child in order to, to fit more hobby in your home? Maybe a child. If they irritated me, <laughs> there'll be the new threat. It's like, will you behave yourself or I'll sell you to make board gaming space? <laughs> okay, so let's move on to the next one. And I'm, I'm going to apologize up front if I get your name incorrect on this. I'm terrible at, uh, at names that aren't, you know, four letters long. But uh, this is from Icarus. When I've spread the collections too thin and even a big haul makes no visible difference to any of them. I'm down to two major collections now and I'm happy with that. So that is actually the first one on this list where we have evidence of someone who is happy with their collection as it is. And by the sounds of it, isn't looking to increase it anytime soon. Yeah, there's there's always the risk that that one game is just going to pop up, you know, like for me with Nemesis, just like the 
I I have to have that. Yeah, and yeah. Then, I, I think I I mean Kickstarter is my worst enemy when it comes to that because I I check it every single day. Again, my excuse is you know podcast and game club. I have to be on top of these things so that I can bring people the news, despite the fact it's not part of my job. Hmm. But uh, <laughs> I still check it every day, and and every day I find myself fighting with the back button. Yeah, yeah. But we can blame Paul for that. You know, he's got a nice segment where he tells us all the latest things coming out on Kickstarter. You know, it's costing me money. Indeed, indeed. Um, A nice little cheap plug there, James. Well done. Love it. (laughs) Speaking of cheap plugs, subscribe, people. Thank you. Okay, so moving on, we have another one from Mark. My pile of shame is almost the height of the filing cabinet now. Definitely won't be buying any new models until it's cleared. Wait, I just got paid. That's a Warhammer player if I ever heard a description of that <laughs> it is indeed i don't know how you possibly guess that but yes mark is indeed a warhammer yep. player uh, so, all i will say to that is i bet my pile of shame beats your pile of shame <laughs> in fact it's not a pile of shame it's a collection of shame yes this is very very true james well while we joke about the fact that james has only just bought a modern war game a modern board game James has quite the extensive collection of Warhammer. And when was the last time you played a Warhammer game, James? Uh, If I said I can't remember, that's bad enough. I'm going to (laughs) guess it was probably the last time we went to Woking, which would have been six years ago. Yeah, it would have been. About that? No, probably sooner than that. Four or five? I I would say probably about three. About three years. Okay, fair enough. And uh, and how big is your your Warhammer army, James? How big is my Warhammer army? If I said it's in a storage unit and not my house, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's quite a lot there, James. Yep. Which actually makes me feel better about my pile of shame. Yes. So uh, yeah, we need to get some of that to built and uh, painted and brought to the table. It's better than Stewie's collection. It's off the sprue. It is constructed. It is just not painted, <laughs> but it is a collection of shame. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Okay, so let's move on. We now have one from Lex, and it simply reads, Space. There's nearly no floor space in my room because of storage boxes. That, and I think you have to ask the hard question, when was the last time I played, and how often do I really get to game? Is it a case of I need to make more of an effort to get more games in, or there's just too many other games I play and or enjoy more to justify hanging on to it. The only other consideration is how pretty it looks on display. So, for a little bit of context there with Lexi, he is a very erratic work hours, and I know that Lex really struggles to get games in here and there, as as I'm sure James does as well. Yep. But would that be a consideration? You know, maybe time. Yeah. Time's definitely a big one, because you start to look at your collection. I mean, it's why... All joking aside, it's why my Warhammer collection is a collection of shame. I do not have the time to dedicate to it. Mm. This is why, one of the main reasons why I stepped into board gaming rather than tabletop gaming. You can bash out a board game in an evening, whereas it's like, oh, I've got to build all this. I've got to paint it. Weeks, weeks of prep before you eat. I mean, you can game with it, obviously, in... Uh, unpainted condition but no one really likes to do that no of course not of course not but it's finding the time to actually sit down get some painting done yeah yeah agreed now moving on we have one from scott when the games you have invested in have changed from what you loved about them in the first place be that through price walls 
netless min-maxing rules, lawyers, or a new edition that loses what the previous edition was about. If that happens, then get rid. So yeah, Scott. Uh, Scott's comments. I, I'm going to guess just randomly a lot of this is aimed at his old favourite of X-Wing. Yes, uh, that's what I took from that. And again, is another... that. Um, I would agree, actually, with that 100%. It's the reason I stopped playing X-Wing mm. after um, Edition 1. I'm not bitter about the fact that it got an Edition 2. It needed a refresh. The fact that X-Wings and TIE Fighters, probably the most iconic Star Wars ships ever, were also the very first models released with the game, and by the end of Edition 1, they were the, well, the worst. The worst. Yeah. Thank you. Just thinking of a PG word to use there. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they they were terrible. They were outclassed by every other, literally every other release. Yeah, it needed a refresh and a rules update. Unfortunately, edition two wasn't as good. Was it just that it wasn't as enjoyable? And you know, as someone who had never played X Wing really or really enjoy, I didn't enjoy edition one. I haven't even tried edition two. But was it just it wasn't as enjoyable? Or yeah, was it, just, it just it wasn't. Made too easy, what maybe? I've heard, the upcoming edition three is even worse yeah there's been some there's been some rules changes that a lot of people don't seem to be particularly happy with so mm. i can understand that but yeah um i i remember scott's he has a an immense collection for x-wing so i can totally understand why yeah I, I don't know whether he has got rid of any of the stuff now but i could totally understand where why that may now be on the yeah to sell pile the good thing about um the star wars games the x-wing and armada uh, just to segue back into what Lex said, is they do look good as display pieces because yeah. they are pre-painted miniatures out of the box and they are very detailed. They're mm. gorgeous miniatures. Yeah. So if for nothing else, they make good display pieces. But yeah, it's a bit of a kick in the in kick the crowd, kick in the teeth for a game that you loved, and then they go and wreck it basically yeah yeah i can understand that but uh scott's also a, a lover of of D &D and role play so and i know that he has a lot of of the the books and stuff so i, I would ask actually scott um if you want to contact us in in the future or, or talk to us at one of the clubs about it if you so wish i'd love to know when you feel that you would sell on or stop using books yeah for for role play because i've seen some role role players collections of books Yep. get to extremes as well so is that another thing yeah, i can't not... say i have that issue because i don't role play but i can imagine that there's only so much book space that yeah, you're gonna it, have uh, and to a degree um warhammer's like that if you've got a particular love for an edition uh i think i i've got third fifth and seventh so i've got three editions mm. plus the codexes for my armies for those three editions yep. knocking around and i probably should chuck the third edition by now yeah because it's that old yeah. i mean I, i've got just speaking for what i actually have in my bedroom i i have all five of the hardback collector's editions for the the end times that uh games workshop did oh yes um, yeah, the salt i still feel the salt yes. from here <laughs> yeah oh yes oh yes uh, as well as some of the old codexes from fantasy as well and i haven't played fantasy since we opened the club yeah four years ago is it time for me to, to maybe get rid of those i mean they're pretty worthless now yeah but well, they are the books are worth nothing yeah so no, no. yeah some of the black library books are worth a lot but yeah generally the gaming books tend not to hold much value at all mm. so yeah scott let us know what what uh what your collection of books is like and and whether you would ever consider selling those um we'll do a couple more 
Um, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to have enough time to go through all of the comments that we managed to get for this. Uh, let's pick this one. We'll do one from James. He says, space, time to play, and if the game's been shelved for more than 12 months. So I like James's one because he's actually put a time stamp on it yeah. of... If a game hasn't been played for 12 months, a year. That's, oh, that's where he starts considering. Yeah, I, I would say that's reasonable. A year, an mm-hmm. entire year, if it hasn't come off the shelf, yeah, you question whether it still mm. deserves its place on the shelf. Yeah. So again, I, I would actually extend this to to James as a, as a question. The when you say 12 months, my my question would be, how big is your your collection in the first place like i i sort of as i said go back to my own collection of 150 plus games i feel i have to give it more than 12 months because if i was to play all 150 games every year while i do run a lot of game clubs and have the chance to play games fairly regularly a lot of the time it would be games i've already played yeah rather than just playing one game one new game every single game club so you know how, how big is your collection james and and if you had a bigger collection would you extend that period of how how long it has been since you last played it before you would consider selling it uh let's do one more let's go for Stuart. uh i believe this is uh this is the Stuart that james was referring to earlier Ah, yes. Um, And he simply says, when you look at your collection and say to yourself, I've not used that in 20 years, so that has to go. Well, uh, I mean, 20 years, Stu, that's uh, that's quite a long time. Yeah, and Uh, you've still not achieved it, have you? (laughs) And yeah, I've I've seen some of your collections, Stu. (laughs) Okay, I would just like to point out for the dear listeners that I might have a storage unit of shame. He's got an office of shame. (laughs) He does indeed. An office. <laughs> uh, well, at least it's, it's, well, yeah, it looks nicer than a, a storage unit, though. <laughs> but an office. <laughs> He's renting commercial space for his Warhammer collection. So, yeah, we we talked about dedication earlier. Stewie, mate, that, that's some real dedication right there. But, yeah, I mean, all joking aside, with, with, with regards to Stewie... I think 20 years is, is a bit extreme. Even even I'm sitting here going, yeah, I, I couldn't collect these games for 20 plus years and no. probably still have the same games that I've got here. I'd have the ones that I play the most and my most favorite games of all time. One of the good things that I do find actually from doing this podcast and the YouTube channel, which I really should get back onto doing at some point, is installing the Meeple rating system. Now, that actually helps me decide what games will eventually make the coal list. Mm. Because generally, if I've got that amount of games, why would I keep anything that I class as less than a 7 out of 10? You know, an average game of, say, 5 out of 10. When there's so many in my collection that are well and above average, why would I play an average game? Yeah. Maybe that's what my suggestion to people would be if you are trying to figure out whether you should cut your collection is... Start rating your games. Start rating your games. Play them. I mean, it gives you an excuse to play them as well. Mm. Get them played. Write yourself maybe a paragraph about what you like about the game and then rate it out of of five, out of ten, whatever your chosen rating system would be. You know, James came in with his review of of his own game at 9.8 out of 10. Mm. So I can imagine that that game's going to be in your collection for quite some time. Oh, yes. you know, Not the fact that I haven't found a single person who doesn't like it. 
Exactly. Whereas last week we reviewed Joking Hazard and we both rated it 5 out of 10 and is probably going to be on my cult list at some point. You know, we're, we're constantly rating games here and we're always finding new games that we like and what we, ones that we don't like. Don't like ones, they go straight onto the pile of shame and generally don't come back off. But uh, we are slowly working through my pile of shame, aren't we, James? Yes, we are. Very slowly. I'm looking at one right now. Oh, what one is one looking at? On the underground. How long have we been saying we were going to play and rate that? Well, I think I've had it for about a year and a half to two years at this point. Yeah. I, I might be wrong, but... Uh, has it seen the table? It hasn't. It hasn't. It is one of the worst ones on the pile of shame. And as someone who loves trains, um, I use the London Underground regularly. It's a game that I should love. You know, and it looks really, really good. And we keep saying almost weekly, mm. we need to get that to the table. We need to get that to the table. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. Should we make that a uh, an aim to do that before the end of the year? Yeah. Or do we do that horrible thing of making a New Year's resolution? No, no, <laughs> don't do those. <laughs> no, we do not. No, we do not. But yeah, is there anything else you want to bring up on, on the subject? Any recommendations you would have for people that no, I think everyone, are like me? I think everyone's covered it. And, you know, I, oh, I almost don't feel qualified on this one with my one game. But it could just be because you've been very selective. Or you've got someone who has... Um, an immense board game, mobile library, and a gaming club. It's, it's quicker just to say addiction. Um <laughs> Maybe I'll just switch to that. I have a board game addiction. My name is Jason, and I am a board game addict. Remember the steps, man. I'm remembering the steps. Remembering the steps. Talking about it is the first step to buying more. I mean, um, <laughs> <laughs> let's find out what uh, you guys out there. We, we've obviously heard from a lot of you through uh, through our local group, but now we extend the olive branch to all of you our listeners all around the world especially as a lot of you come from the united states where you have access to even more games than we do here in the uk what are your collections like what was the last number you managed to count to before feeling rather depressed at how many you had <laughs> and when is enough enough let us know on any of our social media platforms links to those can be found in the podcast description but I think it's time, James. We need to go over to the man in the shed who makes me spend money each and every single week, every time he talks about Kickstarters. Yes. For an episode where we've uh, been discussing how to cull the collection, he has a habit of making you buy more. He does indeed. I really need to start shifting the blame, you know, shifting some of the load onto you, really, don't I? Mm. Especially as I know that your storage is, is rather terrible and uh, you'll probably just end up storing it on my shelf anyway. <laughs> Don't. I'm looking at that gap going, that's a nemesis-sized gap there. Yeah, indeed it is. Indeed <laughs> it is. And when I move all the small games off of here, there's so much more space. The best thing with small games, James, is they can stay in the bag. Gives me more space for big games. Yeah. I'm not cutting this collection at all, am I? No. No. It's only growing. It's only growing. <laughs> so, um... Should I expect a hole to be dug for you when Layla find, listens to this episode? I, th I think so. <laughs> I think so. I, I'm, I'm going to go and start digging it now while, while Paul does the news. So, yeah. Over to you, Paul. Oh, hi, Brian. Hang on. Where have you been all this time? Um, what do you mean waiting for the Queen? So you can get knighted? What on earth are you on about? So you've been over in the field opposite for the past eight hours, waiting for the Queen to come and knight you? Uh, why? Oh, because you're outstanding in your field? 
So you know what the main issue with that is. It's not actually your field. It's a Farmer Jack OBE's field, isn't it? Yeah, I think there may be a few other technicalities involved there, but good try. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's this week's gag overly drawn out. I better get on with reading the news out. No, we are not running out of ideas. Just bringing back some old classics. Right, news. The Pokemon trading card game needs no introduction, but with a highly successful celebration set honouring the 25th anniversary, follow-up products have been frequent and exciting. With an announcement last week of new V-Star cards coming, each Pokemon V-Star has a V-Star power ability or attack that could decide the outcome of a battle. Alongside the digital news of Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, the long-awaited Arceus and the new Fusion Strike set. With all that not being enough, news also came in the form of another Battle Academy set together with new battle decks. Pokemon Battle Academy has settled in the board game sphere, featuring a full battle board and three pre-built decks and instructions that take you through the game step by step until you understand the mechanics involved. Whilst Pokemon Battle Academy doesn't feel out of date, there are new mechanics on their way and it is likely with the announcement of a new updated version of the game, these will be included. This will launch in 2022, similarly offering a two-player game board, three 60-card decks, tutorials and accessories. Whilst the announcement did not confirm which Pokemon would feature in the decks, images provided do. Cinderace, Pikachu and Eevee. Graduating from the Pokemon Battle Academy sees you perfectly in line for its next announcement with two all-new battle decks. These will be themed around Lycanroc V and Corviknight V, offering everything needed to play the game. These will be available also as a bundle version with the V Battle Deck, with two ready-to-play decks and include additional trainer cards to enhance the decks that can be swapped out once players get to grips with the game. Jerry Hawthorne, the creator behind beloved board games such as Mice and Mystics, has created an upcoming tabletop title called Familiar Tales. Taking place in a magical kingdom ruled by a royal family, Familiar Tales sees one to four players becoming a team of wizard familiars who are tasked with protecting the heir to the throne. With the royal family struck down by sinister forces, the players must escort the youngster through the dangerous wilderness and away from harm. However, with the sorceress Usurper making more evil plans, the players will need to use all the magical power they have to stop them. A narrative-driven fantasy board game, Familiar Tales has players becoming the unusual guardians to a princess. Not only will the players have to defend the princess against those who wish to see her dead, but they must also ensure that she is raised learning the right lessons and acquiring the right values. As her protectors, the players will need to make various decisions that will shape the princess's worldview, giving them a direct hand in forming the future of the entire kingdom. The co-op deck builder will take place over several decades, with a companion app helping players to tell the story and to make decisions along the way. Familiar Tales companion app will include narration, as well as a musical score for players to listen to. It also features a digital rulebook. Throughout the game, the player's characters will gain experience that they can use to customise their skill card decks, which they can utilise to perform various actions in the campaign. 
Players can collect resources that can be used to craft new items, weapons and armour. Resources must also be saved for the familiar's princess, as if she is not kept happy then strange things may occur. Players win the board game if they successfully get the princess back to her throne safely, with whatever lessons they've instilled within her finally taking full effect. Besides familiar tales and mice and mystics, Hawthorne is also responsible for designing the co-op storytelling board game for kids, Stuffed Fables, which has players becoming the toys of a young child who needs their help, as well as 2019's Aftermath, an adventure book game that centres around a post-apocalyptic Earth where humans have disappeared and small critters have taken over. The release date for Familiar Tales is set for January 2022, and the game selling at retail for a price of £58. Enter the birth of the automobile car as an ambitious industrialist in Horseless Carriage, an upcoming board game from the studio behind food chain magnet Splotter Spellen. Taking place during the 19th century and the invention of the automobile, Horseless Carriage is a board game for three to five players that challenges participants to build the most impressive automobile empire possible. With the transition from horse-drawn carriages to automobiles in its early stages and the general public uncertain about the safety of these new inventions, the players must attempt to persuade potential buyers of the advantages of horseless carriages despite their trepidation. As founders of their own automobile company, players are pioneers of the industry and thus have many hurdles to overcome in their quest for market dominance and business success. The public aren't just wary about the possible dangers of using the newly created horseless carriage, automobiles are also very expensive and not necessarily essential for the time. To appeal to new customers, the players will need to figure out what features their target buyers want to see in an automobile, catering to their desires for safety, convenience and other potentially marketable aspects. Horseless Carriage was co-created by Joris Varsinger and Jorin Dorman, who have previously worked together on designing food chain magnate as well as antiquity a board game set in italy during the middle ages and of course indonesia another board game about developing a business empire horseless carriage is set to be released sometime in summer 2022 and with a retail price expected of about 72 pounds and we're heading on over to crowdfunding and all three of these are available on kickstarter at the moment First up is Call of the Wild by Rather Fun Games. It's for three to six players. Each game's going to take you about 10 minutes, and it's for eight years and over. And this one ends on Thursday, November the 25th. An uproarious family friendly card game where players make animal noises to help or hunt each other. A player takes a creature card from his hand, puts it face down on the table, and makes that creature's distinct mating call. If another player makes the same call, they may choose to meet. When both players reveal the same creature, it's a match and they both score one point. But wait, creatures don't just need companionship. They also need to eat. Each creature has one creature type that it can eat and one that eats it. Instead of making the call of that creature in your hand, you may instead hunt by making the call of the creature you want to eat. When two creatures meet, and one eats the other, the owner of the triumphant creature scores two points and the vanquished player scores zero. So why not hunt all the time? There are three reasons. 
In this fast-paced, real-time game, you only meet with players of your choice. If you lose the trust of other players, they won't meet with you, and you can't score. If another player thinks you are hunting, they can use the creature that eats the creature that you are hunting with, a double cross. And if two players meet with the same creature, but both were hunting, neither scores. After all, you can't start a relationship based on lies. When any player has used all 10 cards in his pack, the game is over and all players count up their score. Highest scorer is the king of the jungle. With each game taking around 5 minutes to complete, making this an ideal game before or between longer games, or for young people or adults who haven't yet built up their gaming stamina. You can pledge just £4 or $5 for the print and play files. Alternatively, the main physical copy of the game will only set you back £12 or $16. Next up is Race. Formula 90 Second Edition by Gotha Games. It's for two to six players, takes about an hour and a half to play, and is for ages 14 years and over, and this one ends on Friday, December the 3rd. This is the second edition of Race Formula 90, including the base game together with the expansions 1 and 2. Race Formula 90 is a car racing game simulating all the typical elements of a motorsport event. Car strategies, weather changes, pit stops, tyre management, overtaking, and of course, damage and crashes. In race, every game turn represents one or more laps of the track, and each player is in control of only one car. Other cars, called robots, move automatically on the track, fighting between them and the human players. Players are provided with a set of racing cards and a car chart to keep track of all available resources tyres, damages and of course reliability. By playing racing cards they move along the track and in doing so they spend resources. Movements can be affected by trajectories on the track, straight, corner and braking sections, opponents and other special events like yellow or blue flags. Strategies and driving skills are another key element of the game. Players must exploit these unique capabilities to gain against competitors while adapting their driving style to the actual race conditions. When using a strategy at its best, a player achieves a special, which allows him to draw a track card which is usually more powerful than their ordinary racing cards. This new edition of Race Formula 90 differs from the original game with a new streamlined set of rules, better balanced strategies and skills, a companion rulebook with optional rules for shorter races, alternate weather system, new type of robot and a different race finish. You can pledge £75 for a copy of the game including the original two expansions and all unlocked stretch goals. £105 gets you the game, the original expansions, a new expansion and all unlocked stretch goals or for £135 that will get you everything I just mentioned plus a complete set of 16 painted metal cars. And lastly on Kickstarter this week is Atmosphere, 30th Anniversary Edition by The Gatekeeper. 3-6 to six players, hour to play, 12 years and over and it ends on Monday December the 13th. Created circa 1991, Atmosphere is the original interactive video board game where three to six very brave or foolish players take on a video ghoul host, the Gatekeeper, in a game of skill, chance, shocks and laughs. During the game as you make your way around the board collecting keys, the Gatekeeper makes random appearances to bully, insult, reward or punish you. 
Why? Because he can. This is his game. These are his rules. Reach into the bag of mystery to randomly choose which of the six harbingers of doom you will become and grab your special number before you launch the master of cemeteries, the gatekeeper. Turn the volume up, the lights down and press play for a session of fast, frightening fun as atmosphere brings a thrilling dimension to home entertainment. It was, in fact, the first gen interactive board game using a television. You never know who is going to win, all you need is a copy of our new anniversary edition game pack, a screen, good speakers and streaming access to be able to play the game and possibly a change of underwear to beat the gatekeeper. You must collect six keys while you are taunted by the gatekeeper. Battle with your supposed friends and take a chance with the fate, time and chance cards as you hopefully make your way to the centre of the board where you will need to avoid facing your worst nightmare. The thing you fear most, as the gatekeeper says, no biggie, maggot. But your number just came up. The gatekeeper wants to speak to you. Answer me! If you fail to answer him, or fail his tests, you could be banished to the black hole. We didn't say it was going to be easy, but a you game? Pledge at £50 for a faithful reproduction of the original game, with access to the stream of the gatekeeper. £69 gets you the deluxe game including the reproduction set, a special metal coin, special dice and the Baron Sam D expansion. And here we go with some events. Game days coming up include Abbey's up at Surrey Board Gaming Group in Redhill on Saturday the 27th of November from half past 10 to half past 5. The address being 7th Rygate Scout Group Hut, Timperley Gardens, Redhill, RH1 to AP, and that's £5 ahead for the day. Our very own Mid Sussex Meeples will be hosting our game the week after on the Sunday, the 5th of December, here in Burgess Hill, from 10 through till 6. Address for that is Cypress Hall, Cypress Road, Burgess Hill, West Sussex, RH158 DX. Again, just £5 per head for the day. And Alan over at Dungeon Crawley has also finally had the go-ahead from the hall owners to restart the group. And he's managed to grab Sunday the 19th of December for 10am through to 6pm at Langley Green Scout Hut, 28 Lark Rise, Crawley, RH117RN. And surprisingly, they too are £5 for the day. We're bloody good to you lot, aren't we? But if you can't wait for those days, then obviously the weekly meets are still up and running. Including, if you're listening to this on launch day, i.e. 16th of November, the Horsham Gamers have their casual game night tonight at Holbrook Tithe Barn, Pontail Road, Horsham, RH12 5JF, from 8pm through to 10.30. They have dates continuing once a fortnight, so check out their socials for up-to-date dates. Other groups running weekly, of course, are the Comic Shop in Crawley on Wednesday evenings for gaming from 4pm. Thursdays has Lewis Board Game Club at the Trinity Gaming Cafe and Lewis running from 7.30pm until 11.30pm. Thursdays also sees Worthing Board Gamers getting their game on at the Ardington Hotel from 7pm. And by last but no means least is Crawley Gaming Club at the Tilgate Community Centre on Monday evenings from 7pm through to 11pm. And as always, keep glued to socials and websites for up-to-date information. Right, Brian, are you ready to say goodbye? 
Yep, me too. I'm going to say goodbye to Stay safe, meeples. Keep those dice rolling, the cards shuffling, and we'll be right here for you next week. Thank you very much for that, Paul. And thank you guys for joining us once again for a tabletop gaming related discussion topical type deal. How do you think it went today, James? Yeah, I think we we did well. We covered all the basic points, arrived at the conclusion that we're not culling the collection and it's only going to grow. Exactly. Good talk. And luckily enough, my partner is not here when we're recording this, so I am still alive. Uh, I can't guarantee that this episode will be coming out next week because I, I may well be dead. But no. All joking aside, Layla has always been really, really supportive of the games. And I actually have to agree with what she says about, you know, games overflowing the allotted storage. I could just make more of an effort to actually sort my games in this Kallax out. Because, as I said, I could take all of the small games off of this, which at which point gives me eight sections for me to fill with big box games. You know, I've got things like Star Wars Legion, Marvel Crisis Protocol on here. They don't need to be on here because the miniatures for those are stored in my miniatures case, so they can both come off. It really is, for me, right now, it's a case of games stored at home. I need to really figure out which ones need to be on display and which ones can go elsewhere. So, what are we going to talk about next week, James? Uh, I don't know. What are we talking about next week? I don't know. I haven't actually decided on it yet. I was going to say, you write the schedule. Oh, yeah, that's, that's the point, yeah. <laughs> really should stop asking you these things, shouldn't I? But yes, speaking of that, let's head off, let's play some games, and uh, we will see you guys next week. Mm. Thank you very much for listening. My name has been Jason. And I've been James. And you've been listening to the Meeple Minded Podcast. We will see you next Tuesday for more tabletop gaming goodness. Till then, ta-ta, goodbye.